Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, so a couple of weeks ago, I started, I did a mess, I preached a message called uh, The Better Portion. And so I kind of want to preach like part two of this um, today. And so my message today is called uh, The Better Prayer. And so the better portion was um, uh, based off the story of Mary and Martha and Luke uh, chapter 10, where uh, Jesus comes to their house and their two sisters and Mary, uh, Martha is busy getting everything done. Um, how many of you are like, I identify with, with Martha, like I'm just, I'm always busy getting stuff done. And, and then Mary is just chilling, sitting with Jesus. And Martha gets ticked off um, as, you know, uh, is understandable. And, and she's like, Jesus, would you tell her to come and help me? It's not fear. Um, and so this is all happening. And, and, um, and Jesus says, oh, no, Martha, you've missed it. Like the thing you should have been doing was what Mary was doing. And it's this contrast between doing things for Jesus and being with Jesus. Um, and, and it's actually important that we, we, we actually aren't just doing things for God, but that we're actually being with Him, that we're, we're building relationship. And Jesus isn't always sitting, just sitting teaching. Uh, the story before that one is the story of the Good Samaritan, where he's, he, he's actively like, there's no prayer in that, there's no healing in it, it's just practical helping. And so the challenge for us is the better portion for our life is where is Jesus? We want to be with him, but he's probably not where, where he, you think he is. Um, and so we actually have to have a fresh relationship with God. Um, and so I want to preach kind of part two. It's the next four verses after that story. Um, and we'll get to the verses in a minute. Um, that I think will, in the same way, like I think will give an upgrade to our prayer life. Um, and I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for an upgrade. Um, I'm always like, there are, there are so many things I'm looking for an upgrade, but the, probably the number one thing I'm always looking, and I know, I know you're waiting for me to get to this, I'm always looking for the better cup of coffee. Like, <laughs> Pretty much in everything I do, I'm like always like, man, where can I find better coffee? Every, I've got some friends that are real in the cafe scene. I'm always like, well, like where, where's the best cafe? Like what cafes are doing well at the moment? Who's making good coffee? I'm always looking for the better cup. This is, um, this is my personal filter coffee gear. Um, these, all of these things I use at different points in time to, to make coffee. Some might say um, I'm addicted. Others might just say I'm, I'm passionate. Um, it's, it's a debate in my household, and you can guess which one Larissa is and which one I am. Um, but it's only addiction. I th- no, I'm not going to say that. But like, and so I, I'm just obsessed about getting new coffee. So Debbie, I, this and this... These are things that I bought just since you've been on sabbatical. I've got filters that Eli is hopefully um, picking up from my house right now because otherwise a part of my message later won't make sense. Um, <laughs> I knew I was going to forget something. But um, all of these things are different ways that I, I make coffee. I've got, I've got a, a Chemex down here. Um, that's fancy. Um, and then I've got an AeroPress, which is kind of like pressure. And you can actually make um, like espresso out of it. It's pretty cool. I've got this scale here as well that I love. Um, it's was way too expensive for, for what it is. But 
It's awesome. But I'm always looking for the better cup of coffee. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly searching for it. Um, is there anyone that's like, I feel you, Mitch. I'm, I'm always like, I'm always searching for coffee. It might not be the better cup of coffee, but I'm always searching for it. I also bought a grinder since you've been away. Like, and so I've got like an automatic grinder. It's actually installed here at church at the moment. Um, so needless to say, I'm, I maybe have a problem. Um, and... And I'm gonna I'm gonna move on because I actually don't want to deal with my problems. So I want to deal with your problems. <laughs> but but uh, whether it's healthy or not, it's yet to be decided, and you can make up your own decision and talk about it amongst yourselves later. But don't do that. There's gossip. Um, <laughs> but the truth is, whether it's good or bad, I'm always looking for the better cup. I'm always looking to improve my coffee skills and I'm always researching like the number of times I've got different like m- m- methods of making coffee on YouTube and stuff that I'm searching for and I'm looking for all these things. I've got so many people that I go to that I'm like, man, how can I make better coffee? Do you have any, like, anything that you're doing um, that I could do so that my coffee could be better? And I want to preach from a story today where we see Jesus' disciples come to him and they say, hey, like, I like the way that you pray. Can you teach me how to do what you're doing? Uh, Jesus' disciples are, are hearing or, or, or seeing Jesus go off to pray and they're like, we want to learn like he learns. And so if you've got your Bible today, why don't you go to uh, Luke chapter 11. Uh, we're going to read the first four verses. It says this, it's going to be on the screen as well. Now Jesus was praying, I'm reading from the ESV in case you're using a phone. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place when he, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples. Um, and, he's, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. So this is the, this is the Lord's Prayer. It's pretty, it's pretty famous. Um, I think it's pretty, pretty fair to say. Um, and this is probably not the most well like this is probably not your go-to place if you're thinking of the Lord's Prayer. Most people are probably going to go to Matthew. And it's got the, the fancier one that's got your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and, and we like that, you know, we sung a bit of that today in, um, in Fresh Wind and we like that. Uh, but I think that there is some, something interesting about this. Um, and there's some, some stuff that, that Luke is trying to pull out and teach us about the way that Jesus prays. And so just to like give a bit of uh, background, so, so I, my, the best research I could do, it looks like Luke was written in, in 60 to 64 AD. So 60 to 64. So Jesus probably is dying um, in, the, in 30 AD, around that kind of area. Um, and so it's within, you know, it's within a generation he, this book is being uh, recorded. And we can kind of get to that. Um, you might be like, oh, man, she just made that number up. That sounds... But we can get to that because in, from all we can see from history is Paul dies in 67 AD um, under Nero's persecution. Um, 
and Luke writes Luke and Acts. And um, the book of Acts begins like this, O O Theophilus, um, I have dealt with all the things that Jesus began to teach. Um, In my previous book, I have dealt with all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. That's the first verse of Acts. And so um, Luke writes both books um, as like one story to his friend. Um, And so what we see in this is that so so that book is written after Acts because uh, after Luke because Acts it, it kind of addresses Luke in, in his in his book, but Paul doesn't die, and so we've got to assume that that's before Paul's death because otherwise he'd be writing about it because it's quite an important thing to have happen. And so, um, and so, but when, when Luke's reading uh, reading this, it. it when he's writing this book down, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's got the manuscript most likely of Mark and Matthew in front of him. And so he's reading uh, the, the books that we would, you know, he's reading parts of Matthew and parts of Mark and, and talking to, he's like, he's always hanging out with Paul. They're like smoking cigars and, and drinking coffee together, probably. I don't know what they did. And they're like hanging out in, bar, in, in like cafes and like pouring filter coffee out of their um, Hario jugs and stuff and, and having a good time. And, and they're talking about all the things that Jesus is doing. And, and so Luke is in the middle of this. Um, but Luke, when, when he's writing his, uh, his gospel, he, he's, he's got a specific angle that he's trying to get across. See, when you, if you talked to any of the early church fathers, the disciples, they were all sure, like they were 100% sure Jesus was going to return within their lifetime. They were, they were like every prophet ever, you know, like who was like absolutely sure that this is the day Jesus is going to come down, even though this is my seventh book I've written and I'm just changing the date, you know, 10 years every time. Um, but he, they, they were all sure Jesus was going to return. Um, within their lifetime. And so there was this real focus and emphasis within the early church to just, let's just get as many people uh, on the train and then let's all go to heaven. That was kind of, they were like, they were looking forward to Jesus's imminent return. Um, and so because of that, their focus was specific, but, but Luke really focuses in on the fact that Jesus was a man. Like that's the central theme of the book of Luke is that Jesus is a man. He's, he's called over and over and over again, the son of man. Um, and Matthew focuses in on Jesus's teaching us how to, teaching on being righteous and, and repenting because the kingdom is near. Um, but Luke teaches us that Jesus is our teacher. He's our guide. He's our shepherd. That's why Luke is where the prodigal son is. That's why Luke is where there's so many of these stories that are just found in Luke. Um, and, and so he views Jesus as the midpoint in human history, as the midpoint in between Israel and the church. And, and with hindsight being 2020, we can see that like he, he got it right. Like he got, he was accurate. He he was highlighting things that were tr- that that were actually really important to know, because he's focused in on um, what Jesus has already done. Like he's he's not just looking forward to the end and and what God what Jesus is gonna do, but he's looking at what Jesus has done, and he got he's he's focusing on like the kingdom here and now. And so we see that, that 
Luke is really just consumed with this idea that Jesus is our teacher. He's our guide. He's our shepherd. And we can see this in the way that he prioritizes his time. Um, Luke chapter 9 through 19, so 10 chapters um, of, of, of his gospel, which is more than, uh, more, it's probably just over half, just under half, um, is dedicated to Jesus's time when he moved from Galilee to Jerusalem. So those 10 chapters are focused in on Jesus. Jesus, like, that's where we get the bulk of Jesus's like parables and his teaching and all of that stuff. Um, and and he, he doesn't focus as much on the early and the end, but he's like, this is what Jesus did in the middle. These are the things that he taught his, his disciples. The, this is the way that he taught people how to do things. Um, and so we see this in, uh, we see that there's just this massive em- emphasis on Jesus as our teacher. And if my coffee filters were here by now, this would be the part of the message where I would, um, I would be teaching you how to make coffee. I'm going to put my recipe up and we'll, we'll talk through it. Um, and, but I'm sorry, John, I won't be able to give you a cup of coffee today um, unless Eli shows up within the next like 30 seconds. We'll see. Um, but so when I make coffee, um, I have a ratio of, uh, of coffee to water that is one to 17. So for every one gram of coffee, I have 17 grams of water. All right. I promise this is, this is going to change your life. Okay. For the better, I don't know. But it will change your life. So, um, oh, let's go. Eli's here. Okay, everyone, let's give Eli a round of applause. Well, welcome to Mitch's cooking class. We're going to be making a cup of coffee today. Um, so I'm going to be using a Kalita Wave. Um, so here is my Hario jug. And here is, uh, this is the Kalita wave. This is going to take the filter. Thanks, bro, man. I'm, you, you literally couldn't have got, come at a better time. I was just about to bail on the idea. These are way harder when it's the first one in the pack. Oh, this is, this is coming out way harder than I thought it would be. All right. And my lovely assistant is going to bring up some some water. So the first thing you want to do, so if you're making coffee with like a filter paper or anything, the first thing you want to do is you want to wet the filter. Um, Ella is coming right now. You can, she's, she's just about to about to come up with, um, with some hot water for me. Um, and so the first thing you want to do is wet the filter because the last thing you want is your coffee to taste like parchment. Remember, we're, we're trying to get the best cup of coffee we possibly can. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So... First thing you want to do is you just want to wet this. Oh, yeah. Look at that. And I'm just going to use my Chemex to, man, that smells so good. Um, and so once it's wet, you just, because you, you, you don't want it to taste like, you know, like a school book or something. So... We'll just put that water off to the side. So I'm using a ratio of um, 1 to 17. This is called the golden ratio in coffee. Um, and so we're gonna put, I'm going to put in 25 grams of freshly ground coffee. I told you that my grinder was just installed at the back of church. So 25 grams of freshly ground coffee. Just hit, put it in and settle. 
I don't know if it does anything, but it looks fancy. And then we're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to follow this recipe. So it's got what's called a bloom right at the start. And so that's, that's getting the flavor of the coffee out, all right? And then after that, so that's going to last 30 seconds. Um, and I always describe this like if you put a teaspoon of boiling water on your hand, it's probably going to hurt a little bit or feel warm, but it's not going to like destroy you. But if you put your hand in five liters of boiling water, it's going to just, it's going to peel the skin right off, isn't it? So we're going to put uh, 50 grams of coffee in. Um, no, 50 it should be. Did I put 25 on there? So, so I'm going to put the first 50 in, that's 50 there. I'm going to let it sit for another 10 seconds. Um, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the pour. So the first pour is 120 mils. And then after that, we're going to do an in- increments of 15 seconds. We're going to do 60 more mils until we reach 425 grams of water. Man, this is riveting stuff. You're, you're, I'm so glad you didn't miss out on this. So I'm going to go... All right, so so we're just hitting. All right, so I've put another 120 in there now, and then in about 25 seconds, I'm going to put another 15. And I promise this is gonna this is gonna change your life. You know, you can use these methods whether it's um, like if you're using a plunger. Who uses a plunger at home? Yeah, we've got some plunger people. So the bloom will change your life with a plunger because you can do that same thing. So I'm moving in a circular motion. This just helps to create, move all the coffee around. Um, the idea is we want as much coffee to be touched by as much water um, to get all the flavor out of it. Um, <laughs> So with, with a plunger, you can still use the same ratio of 1 to 17. Just put some coffee and figure out how much it is times it by 17. Um, I'm going to do another pour. Mate, we're at 300 mils right now. We're in our last 120 mils. Um, so you can do that with a plunger. Um, and doing the bloom is going to help you as well because it means you're not going to end up burning the coffee. Um, that's one of the biggest mistakes people make is they you know, just put all the hot water straight in and, they, and then they let it sit for like 15 minutes. And... and What's happened is you've let it brew for ages, but you've burnt everything right at the start. And so that's why it tastes bad. And so I said, this is going to change your life. All right. And so I'm doing the final pour. And I'm just going to top it up last little bit. And that's just going to drain through now. Now, you might be asking yourself, is Mitch doing this so that he can just drink coffee while he's preaching? Yes. Um, But... I tell you what, this, this recipe, this ratio of 1 to 17, and this basic recipe, like, it, it, that's going to, every time in any situation, that's going to produce a great tasting cup of coffee. Even if you've got the worst beans in the world, that's going to do the best thing you possibly can with them. And, and, and what we see in this, this passage with Jesus is he's teaching his disciples a recipe for prayer. He's giving them a ratio of these are the things that, that actually are important in prayer. And I think it's important to note, um, and if you're taking notes today, write this down, that, that prayer is personal. And, and what, what do I mean like that? Look, this is finished. That's beautiful. Got to do this obligatory sniff. There you go. Oh, 
Diga, John. I could be. But so when, when we see Jesus' disciples asking them, him, them to teach, asking him to teach them how to pray, we've got to think about what they mean by that. Because they've learned how to heal the sick. They, they've been, this is after they've gone out in the 72. They know how to heal the sick. They know how to cast out demons. They know how to, how, how to give thanks, you know, when God does something. They know how to do all these things. And so when they ask, that when they're asking about prayer, they're talking about, Jesus, you know that thing that you go and do up on the mountain when we're not allowed to come with you? That thing that you go and do when you, you, when you retreat away and you come back refreshed, what is it that you're saying? What is it like? How do we do that? Would you teach us how to pray? And, and I, don't, I don't mind that we use the word prayer for I'm going to pray for the sick. I'm going to do this. That's fine. I, 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 I don't, I'm not worried about that. But in this context, that's what he's talking about. He's, he's talking about this is how to pray when you're alone, when you're having your quiet moment with God, when you're vacuuming, when you're making a delicious cup of coffee. And so, and so first point today is that prayer is personal. And then, so Jesus, they come to him, they go, hey, Jesus, teach us, give us your recipe. Teach us how to make a great cup of coffee, Lord. And, and, and he says, okay, here's how, here's how to pray. This is what I want you to do. Um, and we'll go back to the verse there. He, he opens and he says this. If we go to the next slide, it's a little bit, if we go to the next slide, bro. Yeah, that one. So he, say, he opens this and he says, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And that kind of is like the coffee bloom. That's kind of like this setting the tone for the prayer. And, and in this, if we just look at it, we'd be like, okay, the, well, the tone seems quite serious. The tone, the tone seems like, man, like Father. You know, like if I came to my dad and I was like, Father, he'd be like, what do you, what do you want? Like, what are you trying to get from me? Um, but but when, we, when we actually read into the text, we see that the word Father is the word Abba. It's the word that Jesus uses to describe his intimate relationship between him and God. And we see from the outset, he opens not with our Father in this, in, in this one, it's just Father. It's just this, I'm coming to you, God. Uh, like it, it sets the tone for the prayer because it's like, oh, it's about intimacy. It's about relationship. It's about the fact that I'm, I, I, God is my father and I'm his son. God is my father. I'm his daughter. I'm his child. Hallowed be your name. And that sounds fancy again, but really it's just, God, you're so good. You are incredible. God, you're high and lifted up. And I'll encourage you you know, when you come to prayer, like come and pray and, and just lift God up. Um, it's one of the best things you can do is to lift God up above, your, you know, whatever you're facing. And then it's your kingdom come. It's an invitation. There's this invitation in the prayer. And this is kind of how Jesus says, hey, this is the, this is the tone of the prayer. This is like how we're going to make sure that we don't, we're not burning things. We're not, we're not coming in. Like, this, is, this is the tone of the prayer. This is what I want you to get. It's intimate. You need to be inviting. I, I, like, come and invite God in. There's invitation from you. And so we see that. And then there's these three statements um, in verses three and four. 
um, that kind of like end up being the bulk of the prayer. And, and I like this translation, this um I like it in Luke because it kind of puts more emphasis on the second half than on the first half because we love the first half. We love the like kingdom come or your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray that a lot. But Luke just really hits the second half here. He says in verse three, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins and lead us not into temptation. These three statements, God, give us our daily bread, forgive us our sins and lead us not into temptation. And as I was reading this, my my initial thought was that that, and I couldn't find anyone to to back me up on this. So this is just me telling you. This was this was my first thought. I haven't read anybody that said that this is this seems accurate. But I imagine when they hear "Give us our daily bread," they think back to Israel in the wilderness where God would feed them day after day after day after day, and it's this place of trust of God. I'm I'm dependent on you. And so it's either that or it's God, give me some food, I'm hungry. But, but there's this element of God, you're my provider, I trust you. And then the next statement is, forgive us our sins, God, give me a clean heart. And then the third statement is, um, lead us not into temptation, give us, like lead us in godly ways. Like lead me to be, to, 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 to do good things, lead me to, to live a good life. And what we see here is there is, there is a ratio in the prayer. Like the golden ratio of coffee, one to 17 grams, there is this ratio in here of, there, there, there is more in the second half of the prayer, you'll notice there's more to do with God change my heart and let, then there is God provide my needs. There's this one thing, give us our daily bread, provide my needs. And then there's two statements about change my heart. There's two statements about God come in and, and actually change my heart. And I think what Jesus is trying to teach us today is that prayer, when you're quiet, alone with God, this is not talking about prayer in a Pentecostal prayer circle or praying for a sick person. Prayer when you're alone with God is less about you trying to persuade God to do something and more about you inviting God to change your heart. As God changed my heart, God come and, and change my life. Um, I was thinking about that verse in Matthew that talks about the wildflowers and the birds and how we, um, and, and how if God cares for them, how much more will He care for us? And we go, yeah, that's awesome. Praise God and seek first the kingdom. I love the kingdom. And we always forget that it's the kingdom and righteousness. It's seek first the kingdom and righteousness. And, and there is this, this thing that we, I think we miss because the truth, you know, we've, we've had Christ's righteousness imputed to us. It was given to us as a free gift at salvation. But it doesn't take very long to look at your heart to know you need to continue to pursue righteousness. And so I just kind of want to invite you into my prayer life from the, the last few months. I just, when, when Glenn and Deb kind of stepped out and, and I was like, okay, God, what are, you, what, are you, what are you saying to me? I want to make sure that I'm like actually leaning into you. And he led me to a prayer in in the Psalms, and I didn't quite realize this, but we're actually doing a series on this at, at youth this term, um, which is great as the youth pastor, but I just didn't realize it was all, all, the series was all focused around this verse here. It's Psalm 51 verse 10. It says this, 
create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And I've found myself over and over and over again just praying, God, create in me a clean heart. Because it's not so, it's not like I'm, I'm trying to like become a, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to like go like, oh man, I'm so evil. I'm so all of this stuff and I've got all these problems and I'm trying to, I'm trying to like cleanse myself of my sin. It's not that, but it's like, man, I want to be more like Jesus. Make me more like Jesus. That's the better prayer. Create in me a clean heart. There's this invitation in, in the Lord's prayer to go, actually prayer is about God, change my heart. God, make me more like Jesus. Make me love the things that you love. God, God, make me desire the things of your kingdom. And so that's, that's how my prayer life has sounded. Create in me a clean heart. Teach me to trust you, God. God, teach me to love what you love and hate what you hate. God, teach me to, to lean on you. Make me more like Jesus. And I found as I've prayed that, that as it says, that as you seek first the kingdom and righteousness, all the other things kind of just come along. And so I, I wanted to give you an invitation into the better prayer to not treat your relationship with God like you're making an order at coffee culture. I had to bring it back one more time. And not to make it like, oh man, I'm, I'm trying to get my wish list out, out of God and I'm just trying to pray all the right things so that he would give it to me. You know, I'm trying to make it not too obvious that I'm asking for more money. Um, but actually invite you into prayer that says, God, change my heart. I want to finish on a story from one of the great men of faith from church history and the band can come join me. His name is Augustine of Hippo and Hippo was a city in um, ancient Africa and modern day Algeria. And one of Augustine's friends wrote after he passed, he lived this incredible life. He, 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 was, he wrote many, many books that still stand the test of time. Much of what we believe about the Trinity and about Christ um, was defended by um, Augustine. And he wrote books on the Trinity and he, he wrote an incredible book, City of God, City of Man. And he, he, there's this incredible prayer book called Confessions where he would call God my sweetness. And this man who was kind of like a hero of the faith had this like deep, intimate relationship with God. Um, and after he died, one of his friends wrote about his final days on earth. And I want to read what, he, what what's written. As Augustine lay dying, he ordered those Psalms of David, which are especially peni um, penitential, the penitent Psalms, to be copied out, specifically Psalm 51, the one we read. And when he was very weak, he used to lie in bed, facing the wall where the sheets of paper were put up, gazing at them and reading, and copiously and continuously weeping as he read. Having found comfort in the Psalms all his life, Augustine knew that in his final moments, much like his Saviour, he needed these words to sustain him, Jesus on the cross, 
says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting the Psalms. He needed these words to sustain him. Well, these Psalms bring, uh, in, bring us into the depths of our need for God's mercy. They remind us that Christ is deeper still. With the comfort and confidence that can only be found in meditating on the Psalms, Augustine entered into the rest of his God. And we see in this man who, who was a great hero of the faith, uh, somebody who, who loved God and, and, and did incredible things defending uh, Christianity from heresy and, and was deeply, you know, he was like the theologian of theologians. He found himself in the last moments of his life looking at the Psalms of repentance, the Psalms that have words like create in me a clean heart and weeping because he was like, God, just make me more like Jesus. I've only got a few moments left on this planet. God, make me more like Jesus. And in my last moments with my last breath, God, make me more like Jesus. And, and we can see in him this prayer that's, that's God, you're so good. Continue to, continue to work in me. Change my heart. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening.